The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. tuning into this week's episode of Huddles and Stout and Stout rather the second episode of season two as per usual delighted to be joined by the stylistic vocals of Rocky how are you mate hello Sasquatch um, and hello to all of our dear loyal listeners um, no matter where you are in the world no matter what language you speak the color of your skin we welcome you in Unless, of course, you're from Longford. In which case, please listen to another podcast. Okay. Good, to, good uh, to be here. Yeah, uh, good to be here. Slightly delayed this week, but look, personal needs most, but typically will be Tuesdays. Um, we're all humans. Things all happen. All um, Yeah, so this week we're going to be reviewing the South, both AFC and NFC, as well as a quick look over the preseason fixtures. Not that anyone cares a great deal, but look, it is worth just keeping an eye on for the next few weeks. But without much further ado, I think we'll start with the AFC South, and we'll start with yourself, Rock. The AFC South. We're going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, and I think we said to ourselves, we're going to keep these episodes in the preview just a little bit shorter. I think we went, you know, it's it's a preseason in the NFL. It's still the preseason for us too. Um, I think we're going to shorten these ones down because we're really only having a look at what the, the teams did last year and what they might do the upcoming year. So last year they went... A little bit excited last week, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We're just... We were uh, gagging. I think is a scientific term for to get back into podcasting. Although you, you, uh, you already had a taste. Anyways, yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguars had a nice season, finishing nine and eight. They had a slow start before, sort of turning it around, and everybody started gushing about Trevor Lawrence. Of course, they got to the playoffs, had a nasty, nasty looking game when they were up against the Chargers, but had a beautiful come from behind win. When they uh, they scored twenty seven or twenty eight unanswered points to actually overtake the Chargers. Um, in terms of um, what they've added and lost, um, wow, how their team is different from last year to this year. They've lost Marvin Jones. They've lost Jawan Taylor. He signed to Kansas City, and they've brought in couple of names they re-signed Evan Ingrams they signed Josh Wells Dearness Johnson not a big splashy offseason obviously last offseason was when they really loaded up and they brought in you know the likes of Christian Kirk um I suppose you could argue 
an addition might be Calvin Ridley, seeing as he didn't play last year, he was suspended for, for yeah. gambling. So he is poised to make a big impact to um to Jacksonville's receiving game. Basically a massive overgrade uh, upgrade over um Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, we'll have a quick, very brief look at the first five games. Like I said, I think we want to kind of fly through these. Um, their first game is against the Indianapolis Colts. We always have this this streak where the Colts can't win in Jacksonville. Um, but th- this game is in is in Indy, so you know I think that rule doesn't apply here. I think the the Colts with Anthony Richardson, it's going to take a a while for him to adjust and for Shane Steichen to get that whole shtick together. So I think you're looking at a a Jags win there, possibly. They're playing the Kansas City Chiefs in week two. That's a tough game. You know, it's a game they could win and did win last year. But, you know, strength on paper, you give to the Chiefs. Then they're playing the Texans, the Falcons. Probably two wins there, followed by the Bills. Again, you might give the Bills the edge there. So they could easily open the, se- the season 3-2 and two there and continue on from their strong start, particularly if Trevor Lawrence looks at the start of this year as he did by the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I'm expecting to see this upcoming year is probably Trevor Lawrence's second year in Doug Peterson's system probably looking a little bit more comfortable you know he did they did have a slow start to the year last year um kind of started turning around after that their loss to philadelphia and that was a a, like a rain monsoon game it's a horrible game to watch and it was yeah because it was obviously it looked it was brilliant for an eagles it looked like divine intervention with all the turnovers but i can only imagine how frustrating it was for well not just jaguar fans but neutral fans probably um but they did turn it around together trevor lawrence is getting you know certainly top 10 probably top five quarterback hype going into this year maybe a bit premature but it's hard to argue that the tools aren't there we did talk about it a lot last year that last year was his rookie season because of the Overmeyer yes. mess. So this is his second season. Um, and if... Look, we've seen some things last season where we're like, okay, this guy could be not just a guy, but probably the guy in the division. Um, well, if, if you're... Yeah, if you're looking at you know the rival quarterbacks in the division you're looking at Anthony Richardson will certainly take a few years at least to develop mm. um you know Tannehill is probably on his last legs in Tennessee and then you've got CJ Stroud again is probably going to we didn't have much of a sample size on the weekend just gone by but it looks like it might be a multi-year project so for the next couple of years Trevor Lawrence looks to dominate this division mm. Where do we see them going, kind of, for the year? Um, it is a soft division. I'm a little bit higher on Tennessee than than other people seem to be. A lot of people have them written off. But I do see the Jags winning this division, certainly. And possibly ending up around 10-7. and seven. Okay. 
They were 9-8 last year. I think they could easily improve on that. A bit conservative. I don't really like forecasting, you know, 11 wins, 12 wins, unless they're, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. Stacked, yeah. Yeah. Unless we're, we're uber positive. Um, um, but again, I think hands down, favourite for the division and with good reason. I have a, I have a team that I can guarantee is not going to go 10, 10 wins for you. Um, and that would be the Indianapolis Colts. So last not. season, I was obviously finished 4 and 12, second bottom in the AFC South. Uh, you got to think in the last few years, the Colts are blessed that the Houston Texans exist and exist in their division. Uh, a lot of like the issue for the Colts for the last few seasons has been kind of signing these middling mid-age quarterbacks uh, started with Phil Rivers at the end of his career in the Carson Wentz fiasco and then Matt Ryan it's just not been a good thing so the focus on the Colts this season is going to be the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, they've, they've drafted Anthony Richardson as you got to fourth overall. And then they hired Shane Steichen as their head coach. So they're putting long-term plays in place to become an AFC powerhouse again. Mm. And it, what's interesting about Steichen is it's a move that gives the franchise a, a whole heap of hope. Um based on what he's developed in Philadelphia, that dominant offense, he also has gotten the best out of both Justin Herbert and Justin Field and Justin and Jalen Hurts, rather, sorry. So expectations are that this is as good a landing spot as Anthony Richardson probably could have got. Going entering the door, low expectations, an offensive coach who who seems to be on the up and up. Um but there's still a lot of mire in Indy and it starts with the ownership group. We say group, inverted commas. Um, mm. But look, the entire offense is going to have to see significant improvement this season. They saw a massive drop last season in output from look, arguably their star player and Jonathan Taylor. That's been a bit of a mess this off season. He did return, but I think this morning he was allowed leave. He's a personal matter as opposed to any contract-related issues. Yeah, I think yeah. it's reported there's no cause for concern. It's not part of that on- ongoing no. saga, which seems yeah. to be put to bed. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously Denver people are still going to be... Yeah, yeah. Down for a nap, maybe. Um, but their offensive line last year was way below what it had been in previous years. Like it was like not too long ago, we were considering that offensive line elite. Um, they ranked thirtieth in scoring and thirty second in turnovers, as well as twenty seventh in yards. Which when you've got a, a workhorse like Jonathan Taylor, that was pretty low. Um, in terms of first five, Jags home, Texans away, Ravens away. Rams at home and Titans at home. It's very difficult to see anything more than an absolute ceiling there of two wins. Um, the Rams, I'm just, I'm still very uncertain as to what the Rams could be. I think they're very low ceiling, uh, low floor, high ceiling. Um, but if I was to predict kind of their overall season, it, look, it's it's not good news, Colts fans. I think it it could literally be anywhere between three and six wins. But I don't think it's any higher than that. 
Um, there are two clearly stronger teams in this division, and they're just going to be very meh. Yeah, I would agree. I think just kind of hark because I would agree with you on the pretty dismal record prediction. Uh, I hark back to last year when we were, you know, predicting Seattle to fall flat on its face. I think the difference is at least Geno Smith, he was a backup in the NFL for several, you know, he had the experience and he was able to draw on that and they did have pieces around them, which we just discounted because it was a backup turned starter. Whereas in Indianapolis, Indianapolis, you have Anthony Richardson. He's a rookie. He's, you know, he, he entered the NFL being called a, a raw prospect you know he had all the athleticism but his um his passing acumen wasn't quite there and it's not like you know if you look at Jalen Hurts even you know when there were questions over his passing ability and they brought in AJ Brown and he had Devonta Smith it's not as if Anthony Richardson has an elite passing supporting cast he's got um Alec Pierce and um, I'm drawing a blank now on um, you got a, a, a Pittman, Michael Pittman, him. Michael you Pittman every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and of course, um, Jonathan Taylor as well. But um, it's just it's not a stellar supporting cast around Anthony Richardson pieces, but you know, kind of not in the same league as the contenders. And then this year, of course, you know, Quentin Nelson might be a bit healthier and. Shaq Darius Leonard will also hopefully be back to to stabilize that defense as well. So yeah, um, I'm not saying they're not going to play teams tough, but I think they're going to struggle to pick up wins. Um, I suppose you'd make that logic for the prediction. But uh, um, as I said, look, there's two clearly stronger sides in that division. Mm, we talked about the Jags. We covered one, and we'll move on to the other. And people mightn't hold the Jags and the Titans. Uh, to the same standard, but I think it's hard to deny that they are probably number one and number two in the division. Um, obviously, Ryan Tannehill is back is probably is back for probably his um, his last year. They drafted. Um, I always get confused because of Malik Willis and Will Levis, um, the man with the the death deathly. Fear of mayonnaise. Um, it's the opposite. Oh, it's oh, you're right, you're right. Jeez, it's he it drinks mayonnaise in the blood. coffee and he's afraid of milk. That's yes. right. Yeah. How could I forget? Um, they they did do took a few steps to shoring up not just their defense by bringing in Arden Key, decent signing, and Aziz Al Shire, but they brought in. Andre Dillard, we'd be familiar with him, Sasquatch, mm. um, to, mm. to beef up that O-line, which was beaten up last year. Um, they they lost Austin Hooper. They've lost Demarcus Walker. Um, nothing earth-shattering. I think they, they signed an extension for Jeffrey Simmons to keep him in Tennessee. So... I think Mike Vrabel will do what he does best. I think he's, I think he gets the most out of what he has, and he has mm. done. And 
even when you know the odds are stacked against him, he's able to play teams tough and scratch out wins when it's not uh, it's not obvious that they're there. Uh, just looking at their first five games at New Orleans versus the Chargers, at Cleveland versus the Bengals, and at Indy. Um, look, I think they are going to be a decent team. I don't know if they're going to be as decent as the Chargers. So, and even the Browns, um, tough to predict, but they could be a, a pretty strong team. I could see them going anywhere between, you know, one and four and three and two there. I think they're probably more likely to go, you know, two and three. Um, but a bit of variance because we have to see what Ryan Tannehill looks like coming back. And then, of course, how does he how does he connect with DeAndre Hopkins? What does that whole deal look like? What does Traylon exactly. Burks look like in year two? Yeah. It's, Tennessee is, is one of the more interesting ones with that signing. Um, we know what the op has potential for, but there's a lot of miles in that clock too, as well, which I'd be... It, that's it. Look, there, I think there's some serious talent still in DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you could still make an argument that he's one of the top receivers. You know, obviously he has to be healthy or mm. not suspended for PEDs. Mm. But you've got DeAndre Hopkins, you've got Derrick Henry, who's obviously coming off a huge workload um, and still manages to... Say it every year. He's there He's there in, in top rushing yards. So, and they've, they've got a solid defense too. So, as you say, it could be interesting, could be a bit tasty. Will certainly play teams tough, as they have always done under Vrabel. Um, I think they're solid enough to just you know secure that number two spot in the division cool um no, i definitely got the um the worst teams in the division to like preview <laughs> but mm. next moving on is, is the texans and while not the same there's definitely some similarities with what's going on in indy um but just a quick segue last season they finished Three and thirteen, and obviously bottom of the AFC South. The Houston Texans, as a franchise, also suffered their third straight season with four or fewer wins, which obviously led to the inevitable and predictable, and in some ways annual franchise overhaul uh, of its coaching staff. So look again, they they've added in head coach D'Amico Ryan's, and then obviously added in C.J. Stroud. As well as pass rusher Will Anderson Jr. Um, obviously, they had second and third pick in the NFL draft last year. Texans obviously have a bit of a buzz around them because of this, but then it, 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 it's a difficult one to predict because you've got to assume that at some stage the Texans will hit it right. But they've had so many restarts and falls downs, for want of a better, better term. It, it's difficult to have any faith in the back office. And as a result, almost doesn't matter what's on the field um, but look uh, I think the one thing I would say is expectations inside the organisation definitely seem to be tempered more slower the focus seems to be around developing the culture um, 
think, yeah, I just got a quote quickly. Just uh, the GM, Nick Cassiero, said he doesn't expect much from Ryan's. Doesn't expect to be a quick fix. His job for Ryan's this year is to prove they belong before focus on more long-term and lofty goals. The one thing in their favour with the rebuild is they have the fifth easiest schedule in the league. I rather positively, after just slating them there for about 10 minutes, do predict a slight increase. Um, I think they're going to be 5-11. and 11 And if you think back to Indy Colts, there's a wide swing there. It was 3-6 wins. So depending on how Indy, I think they could be third, fourth. Um, but I think they're going to have a slight increase. I just like a few pieces about the Texans, the change in focus from the back office. Um, so I'm thinking 5-11 with the first five games, telling off a lot. Ravens in Baltimore, I think that's a loss. Colts at home could be an interesting fixture. It's a battle of two rookie quarterbacks. We don't know what's going to happen in that one. Jags away again. It's the strongest team in the division. You stronger team in the division. I think that's a loss. Steelers at home. You'd rather play the Steelers at home than you would away, but I still think that's a loss. And then the Falcons away. They could maybe pick up something on the road there. Um, but yeah, look, I'm thinking about 4-12, and 5-11. and 11. Good record for them. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think um, they did play teams close last year. Um at least during the middle parts of the game, um, and I think they improved. Will Anderson should be good. Obviously, we we didn't get much, you know, after just seeing week one of the preseason, we didn't get a good look at CJ Stroud. It wasn't brilliant, but he's a rookie and a week one of preseason. Um, what I would say about so CJ Stroud, I actually think, yeah, he kind of has a weird mechanics, which watch if, you, if, you, if you're watching if you're not just sitting there and watching red zone if you're watching games in detail watch that be pulled apart throughout the season by the analysts he's a he's kind of weird is a bad word but a highly unusual mechanics and he was the quarterback he was the quarterback whose test scores were leaked and he he scored like terribly in those processing tests so we'll see as well if he's able to start, you know, progressing through reads and, you know, not just looking to his, his favorite target and pull on the trigger. Um, yeah. Something to watch. And obviously a lot hinges on the quarterback. So, um, but again, it's, teams are kind of spoiled with the image of the rookie quarterback and they expect Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert and they expect good results very quickly. Whereas, you know, you it's more likely to be something along the lines of, well, even Jalen Hurts, I suppose, and, and Josh Allen had a couple of years of mediocrity, and then they took the, the leap in, you know, their third or last year, their rookie contract. Um, that's more typical, but again, even that's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, I don't even say that's less typical. I would say the majority of high draft, and Jalen Hurts was a bit lower, but the majority of high draft picks are failures. The like, majority of draft picks are failures. <laughs> yeah. Like, regardless of where they're drafted, it's it's an anomaly um, to be a starting QB 
out the sea, out the gate. I mean, you're also landing in theoretically the worst franchise from the year before, so it's not a great landing spot. It isn't. Um, I'm mean, like a lot of the veterans on the Texans are on very short term contracts as well, so it's not as if you're going in and there's a culture established. You know, it's it is, you know, the dawning of Aquarius there in Texas. Um, so it's a new beginning, exciting times for Texans fans, you would hope. And we'll just see how it progresses as the season goes on, see how D'Amico Ryan sets the tone. Perfect. So, look, I think in summation, would we be in agreement on positions? Who's, who's your first in the AFC South? Well, we're going to be in agreement here, no problem. First is the Jags. I do declare. Okay. okay. Um, I think number two, we hand to Tennessee. Um, number three, I would probably go with um, Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson. Only because there's there's been more hype for Anthony Richardson. Because <laughs> I said so. Uh, and look, that's that's based on nothing. It's if God. if the Texans came third, I wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't really care. But I, I, I would, have a I, massive feeling that like first and second are going to have a game between them, and third and fourth are going to have a game between them, and second and third are going to have a world between them. I think it's kind yes, of like, yeah, that's um, that's how we view it. Probably realistic. Um, yeah, look, I think we're That's, generally in agreement, but it's only AFC. I mean, it only makes sense to do the NFC. Yeah, let's uh, cross on over, and we'll start with the Tom Brady legacy team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kind of thrown into a little bit of chaos. They obviously um, worked contracts and really cramming the talent while Tom Brady was in town, and now he isn't, and now they have. Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask battling it out. It's not exactly the sexiest of uh, camp battles. Um, but supposedly, Baker is the man. I think he started last week, so we'll see Kyle Trask try his hand this week. Um, they, I think a lot of people are writing off the books, but I think their defense is pretty pretty solid and it's going to keep them in games you know they've got Jamal Dean Levante David they've still got Vita Vea they drafted Kalija Kansi I think he was injured early on in training camp but he could be a speedy little interior Dean Lyman um, particularly when he's up a lower, shoulder to shoulder to Vita Vea who's going to take up two lads you know command those Rest. double teams you know you never know he could be a, a, a nice addition um, I'm going to quick look at their schedule I'm like I'm not expecting them to probably contend I will get to the standings at the end I, I don't think they're a strong strong team but their defense will certainly have them looking scrappy uh, they're going to open up in Minnesota and then travel to Chicago then Philadelphia um, and then or rather Chicago and Philadelphia will come to Tampa Bay then they'll go to New Orleans. They have an early bye week 
in week five, which is not nice. And then Detroit comes to town. Uh, I think... I'd say they could pick up a win, certainly, against Chicago. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a believer there. And division games are... You know, I don't think there's a great deal of separation in the quality of teams in that division. I would say New Orleans is a stronger roster than Tampa. So I probably would have them going 1-4 and four to open up. Um, two and five, maybe. But uh, that thereabouts. It'll be interesting just to see how the quarterback situation develops. I mean, like, they still have Mike Evans and um, Chris Godwin. A good defense. I think they'll go back to being the Tampa we know. Tampa. Yes, I think the pre. Tom Brady and post Tampa Bay. Dilfer. Tampa Bay. Well, I think we might even see a season a bit uglier than Jameis Winston's was it 40 and 40 or 30 and 30 season? Even a double in. Well, one thing to say about Jameis Winston is he can throw the ball. I don't think Baker's as much of a gunslinger. It's very much a slow, methodical Thailand dependent game and I just don't know if they have the personnel for that right now no um, just particularly when you know the defences in the division are cakewalks like Carolina has some nice pieces on their uh, defence as does the Saints and the Falcons brought in a whole host of personnel this off season to make them a, a lot more stalwart um, so I, I wouldn't have a huge and that early buy, it really hurts for a team as, mm-hmm. you know, as, I don't want to say weak. As disjoint. I suppose they are relatively weak to the rest of the league. Mm. Or, so, yeah. That's, that's my summary of that Tampa Bay. Not exactly <laughs> a pretty picture. No. Um, I'm moving on. I'm going to ask that you bias check me because... Rather unusually, as an Eagles fan, I have a soft spot for the Panthers as it is McFadders team. Ah, so, right. I have a soft spot for the Panthers for no apparent reason. But uh I so spend too much time with me. Um Perhaps but look, Dan, if you're listening, you might enjoy this. Um no I'm a joke. Um so last season they finished seventh and seven and ten, which was good enough for both joint second and last. In the magical NFC South. I don't know if you recall. We had three teams finishing a 7-10 and 10 record last season. The first five. Falcons away. Falcons in a complete rebuild. Saints at home. I'm not quite convinced what the Saints are just yet. Seahawks away. It's a very tough one. Up in Seattle. Regardless of what form Seattle are in. It's always tough. And look. I think they might continue. The Vikings at home. And the Lions away. I think the first two are winnable and you get a bit of momentum there I think because of potentially winning the first two games they could nick a win in the the harder stretch in that opening five I suppose look it's it's a strange time in Carolina it seems like a lot of the, the southern teams have are in these situations but Panthers underwent a massive overhaul that's like what all that was like the opening line in all my previews this week I think 
Um, Francis Renault went, went through an old, a massive overhaul. But look, they're now led by Frank Reich and obviously quarterback Bryce Young. Panthers have kind of gone a bit for broke as well. They've completely restructured uh, that offense. They've brought in some new pieces. Philly fans be familiar with Miles Sanders. And again, it's that age-old adage that look is relevant in all the, tr- the two teams I've previewed previously. It's like expectations can be very difficult when a team is a rookie quarterback and a new head coach. So this is the reason why. So a coach in his first year with a team has won the AP NFL Quarterback of the Year award in four of the last six years. But we have also seen four coaches um, fired after one season over the last two seasons mm. so it's it, it it seems we seem to have in a bit of a trend in the NFL where it is literally rocks and diamonds it is like you're getting a Brian Dayball or you're getting an Urban Meyer and it just doesn't seem like we're getting that in between where is he good is he not good um, it's leading for two or three seasons and maybe he's not he's not the guy let's move off him it's like Rocks of diamonds, maybe just becoming more and more competitive. Um, but look, I suppose we're both biased towards the Panthers. We're both quite biased towards Mister Frank Reich. Um, but that is good. There's there's biases for that, and there's also good reason. Um, he has had a top ten scoring offense in three of his five seasons, and a top sixteen defense each year. You throw in. The bizarre quarterback situation they've already discussed in Indy, that's even more impressive. Um, there's still a work in progress, but I am predicting, and I'm willing to be talked down off this cliff because I did see a bit of Bryce Young on the weekend. I'm predicting they're going to go for one more win, so they're going to go eight and nine, but they're going to narrowly miss out in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, look. I like the Panthers. I think, like, when all of the talk go leading up to the draft was who's going number one? Is it Bryce Young or is it CJ Stroud? And then the odd bit of chatter that it could have been Anthony Richardson. Like, I never thought it was going to be anybody but Bryce Young. Um, again, very small sample size in the preseason, so you can't really project it too much based on what we saw. But I think he's going to be pretty good. They have. Like I said, a good defense. Uh, last year, when Matt Rule was was fired, and Steve Wilkes took over, and they traded uh, Christian McCaffrey, they actually really sort of got it together and mm. looked scrappy towards the end of the year, as you say, and as I failed to say that the the Tampa won their division by going eight and nine. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it like a, a mirror image where we saw the three teams last year who went uh, seven and ten will now go eight and nine, and the books will go seven and ten. You know, you sort of flip it on that axis. Um, I don't think any of these teams are really good. I think um, with by year's end we'll have a, a tie. And it'll come back down to a tiebreaker. I don't think this division is strong enough to get... Well, we're in the NFC, so it's hard to say. Um, but I do ultimately think that the Panthers are probably have the the strongest 
roster overall in this division as well as probably the best coaching staff as you say with Frank Reich um, I, I would feel more calm and collected with Frank Reich coaching my team than you know Dennis Allen Arthur Smith is obviously a good coach but he's not done much the last couple of years so for me Carolina has just a more stable sort of vibe to them than the other teams Okay. Okay. Um, my Speaking last. Of Smith. Say again. Speaking of Arthur Smith. Speaking of Arthur Smith, great name. Um. They went seven and ten last year, as you said. They were joint second and joint last. The Atlanta Falcons. There's not much to to recollect from their well. If you watched the quarterback series on on Netflix, which I haven't done, you'll see that there was a lot of drama over Marcus Mariota and his poor play followed by, at the time, mysterious exit from the Atlanta Falcons before they handed the reins over to Desmond Ritter, who is now the starting quarterback for Atlanta. Um... I don't know about you, Sasquatch, but I've not. I'm not a Ritter guy. I've not seen much, um, much positives out of him. And sorry, I like Atlanta too, but um, I've seen beat reporters for various teams. In, in particular, one of them cut together all of all of Mady because he's in Philadelphia now. So they cut all of his targets, and were examining each of the uh, each of his targets and who threw them and Ritter's throws were they weren't pretty to watch now I know he is a, an off season and a training camp since then but by all accounts he's not you know he's not taken that leap which you know I'm he doesn't have to it's he's only going into year two it's his first year starting but he doesn't inspire me now saying that Atlanta have brought in a, they've basically signed a full team some really yeah. nice pieces they signed Jesse Bates Caleb McGarry David Onyemata Caden Ellis Bud Dupree Mac Hollins who isn't a really exciting name but the last couple of years has really sort of revived his his career with the, the Raiders there um, obviously Taylor Heineke from Washington comes over I think a, like a quintessential backup really solid backup um, and then just recently signed Calais Campbell another yeah. really solid signing that old man who's still puts becoming up. a bit of a journeyman now at this stage he is yeah but he's still he, um, he still puts up stats now how much of it is you know clean up and how much of it is uh, produced but anyway they had they didn't lose too much either. Obviously, Olamides Zacchaeus went over to to Philly, and Rashawn Evans was is still a free agent. But they really upgraded their personnel uh, without losing too much. Um, and if you if you watched the, the draft, all the talk was Bijan Robinson. You know, running back. You don't take them too early. Um, uh, all of a sudden running back goes at number eight overall to Atlanta yeah but he, he does look like a generational talent at his position to be very fair some of the and I know it's training camp and I know it's probably old 
he's like a college footage but some of his cuts are freakish look I, I love the draft and I think Bijan Robinson is going to be a stunning player but Jonathan Taylor has been a generational talent um, at his position you know he's been unreal when healthy mm. obviously last year is not a good example but he's nearing the end of his rookie contract and you don't know what's going to happen the same you know we've seen the same with Josh Jacobs Saquon Barkley Austin Eckler the I don't think the argument for taking or not taking running back in the first round is they're not you know they're not going to work out they're not going to be good players they're going to get injured really it's you know in three or four years time because they obviously have the the fifth year option what's going to happen in four years time are they going to walk because they want to get paid somewhere else and there's going to be a, ma- a nasty holdout um, or the, is bad luck thing, going to be f- the, the thing I would say is though no one's offering this money I know we're kind of getting away from presuming Falcons but it's it's something quite severe is that you can hold out and you can do a Lev Bell but what happened with Lev Bell no one's coming running with this money it's not a case of we've had someone hold out and then someone swooped no one's coming the, the money is the money well you can be unhappy about it and I don't agree with the concept I, I watch a multitude of other sports and in other sports there is a kind of a logic that you pay X amount per position and the perceived importance of that position but it's it's, it just seems like we're kind of in a stage where we kind of have to accept that a running back is is only guaranteed X is your rookie contract time. yeah look um, I agree yeah. it's it's a messy situation it's I'd say it's been brewing you know longer than you know it's kind of come to a head this year and last year but it's been brewing since Le'Veon Bell and you know his his whole date was what year was that 20 17 or 18 but yeah but even that set the precedent that running backs have very little leverage and I'd say there's no leverage and I don't know what's going to happen for that to change maybe it never will if it does I don't think we're going to see any meaningful change for running backs in the next five years no Um, and it would but anyway, require a rule change or something. Yeah, yes, so. irrespective. We digress. We this digress. year, Bijan Robinson is going to be great for the Falcons. Yeah, um, if, you get him low, if you get an opportunity low in your fancy draft, I'd say have a punt. I think he's going to go very high in your fantasy draft. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I think I'm abstaining from fantasy this year. I just can't. I don't have the energy. I'm kind of. I think I might do a small work one, just yeah. something to whet the appetite. But I think the big monster one, I just I can't. I don't have the energy. Yeah, it's it's um, it's scrambling to try and find a wide receiver. That it's no, it's that's it's scrambling 13, 14 to find the teams. way to live on yeah, a Monday yeah, yeah. morning. Mondays are rough enough without losing by a point. Yeah, hard <laughs> um, wrenching. But look, it was the final team in the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints. 
long term listeners of this show is are probably gonna expect a colourful preview here, but look we'll we'll try and keep it PC. So last season they were one of the joint second and last sides in the magical energy setup. Technically they finished third um at seven and ten. Their first five games Titans at home, Panthers away, Packers away, Buccaneers at home, and the Patriots away. I think bar the Titans, there's a lot of who are they in their first five. So that record is nigh on impossible to predict. Um, you can probably predict they probably will lose to the Titans. But outside of that, who's who and what's what, I don't know. Um, but look, so finish 7-10 in last season and they wasted little time very early in the off season they signed Derek Carr um, and they're hoping they can obviously get back to the playoffs it's been two years since they were in the playoffs so they uh, they went with kind of maybe a bloke with a rough season in Las Vegas but someone who has been known to be quite predictable over his career and um, I wouldn't say reliable but a good pro um, so it's kind of a strange one where Las Vegas are coming off or like New Orleans are coming off a kind of a down season Derek Carr is coming off a down season but he looks if good I'm though brutally honest, he looks bicepy if I'm being brutally honest I don't know how much of Derek Carr's performance over the last season was Derek Carr related or was Josh McDaniels related and I think he just could just be a bad head coach Um, I like what New Orleans have done in that they've also brought in John Gruden to help get the most out of Carr this season at best I think the ceiling is quite high I think here Um, Carr will lead kind of like a more dynamic offence than he had in Las Vegas he's going to have a hopefully healthy Michael Thomas Chris Olave Juwan Janssen and when he comes back from his ban he's going to have obviously Alvin Kamara they've got nice role players like they've got um, Rashid Shahid uh, Kendra Miller and Jamal Williams obviously yep. as well I think Kendra um, Miller is injured but um, it's I don't think yeah. it's uh, significant perfect but I think like with those kind of pieces they probably can survive that missed time with Kamara um, they have a very good offensive line to be fair to him. And the defence last season ranked ninth in points allowed and fifth in yards allowed, despite despite their offence being next to kind of next to irrelevant last season um, and kind of unable to help. So with all that being said, I am going to go against my long standing beliefs on both New Orleans Saints and Derek Carr. And I think they're gonna finish top of the division. And I think they're potentially going to go ten and six. Well, that's. Um, I just think they have all the nice pieces here. I don't think they're going to blow anyone out. I think they have enough pieces here to, you know, win some tough games. And you look at that that opening stretch. I think they lose to the Titans, but I think those next four games are winnable just purely because we don't know what the other teams are. Yeah, they've got a nice schedule. Um, I think. Being ninth in points allowed last year, I think that had a lot to do with you know the likes of Marshall and Lattimore being injured for quite a a lengthy part of the season. You know your you know high tier cornerback one. Um, 
I I tend to agree with you. I know I we gushed a little bit over the Panthers, um, but I do think they have. You know, I I think if they are behind the Panthers, they're you know. A fraction, a fraction behind them, and they could be better. I think certainly. Derek Carr this year could easily have a better year than Bryce Young. The defense is good. They they drafted Brian Brzee. If he's if he can you know get healthy and develop, he could be a nice piece. Um, obviously the Alvin Kamara suspension raises your eyebrow a little bit. I think Marcus May is also due to 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 have a bit of a disciplinary punitive measures against him. I the only thing that's the only thing that's given me pause uh, for giving them a good record this year is that I I I actually thought they would have a a good record last year and it's Dennis Allen I think his play calling and Pete Carmichael I I believe is still their OC it just it it kind of it gives me pause in, on giving them a, a rake of win, wins um Besides, this is still my my last year at war with the Saints because Philadelphia still retains their second round pick for the the draft trade last year. Um, two years ago, I should say. So I'm I'm against them this year, but I do think they're a strong team. But I, I I'd still edge it to the Panthers only because Dennis Allen didn't really show me much last year as a head coach as a play caller okay so if we have to run through the division quickly i think maybe with this division we'll we'll start with the the tampa bay books i think we'll both be in agreement about their placement i think we're looking at number four for tampa bay mm-hmm. uh, from the sounds of it it sounds like we both have atlanta falcons at number three yeah yeah um and then we we would quibble i would have maybe the panthers coming out on top you would have the saints saint i just as as i just struggle to back a first year head coach and a first and a rookie quarterback to win a division that's fine and historically i would i would have picked the saints i think they're a better uh franchise overall just dennis allen just gave me the heebie-jeebies last year i just don't rate him the BBHGs. Yep. Um. Yeah. Fair. Look. Look. That's the the preview of our southern counterparts. Do we want to quickly, very quickly, because we are pressed for time, run through the previews? Yes. Or the preseason fixtures. The preseasons get will fly through these. I think we yeah. we did our predictions last week. We're not really gonna recount our our predictions. We'll just you know by the end of our last preview episode we'll just we'll give our records there's no point in diving deep into how third fourth and beyond stringers are are, are winning um okay so cleveland at philly is actually tonight um depending on when you're listening if it's thursday um philly are four point favorites where are you going here philly i'm actually going philly too i think you know I'm not going to say too much, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson looks good, but, you know, I underestimated Marcus Mariota and Tanner McGee. They both look good. Okay, uh, Carolina versus New York. 
Carolina. I might go New York there. Um, Bengals versus Falcons. Bengals. I'll go Falcons. Jags versus Lions. Lions. Oh, Jags for me. Dolphins versus Texans. Uh, Texans. Yeah. Uh, Bills versus Steelers. Steelers. I'll take the Steelers. The Bears versus the Colts. Bears. Bears. I'll take the Colts. You're just a Bears homer. Uh, Buccaneers Uh, and Jets. Jets. I think I'll go with the Jets too. The Chiefs versus the Cardinals. Mm, Cardinals. I'll go with the Chiefs. Patriots and Packers. Uh, Packers. Yeah, I'll go Packers. Titans and Vikings. Vikes. Vikes. Broncos and 49ers. Broncos. I'll go Broncos too. We might see a bit more Russell Wilson. He didn't yeah. look he didn't look too sharp, but I think he was blitzed a lot by Arizona, so they might Peyton might give him a bit more time. Uh Raiders versus Rams. Rams. I'm gonna go Raiders. We'd be remiss not to give a shout out to Nathan Rourke and that amazing highlight play. Um mm. reminiscent of Carson Wentz versus the Washington uh they might have Redskins at the time. Would have been Redskins, yeah. 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 Um Cowboys versus Seahawks. Seahawks because they're playing the Cowboys. Yep. No complaints here. Uh Saints versus Chargers. <sighs> Chargers. I'm gonna go Saints and the Ravens versus Commanders. Oh, let's go commies. I am um, again I've no no real, you know, massive desire to see any result in particular for preseason games. But I'm kind of sick about hearing about John Harbaugh and his 24 preseason game win streak. Um, particularly when he's playing his top backup in the second half of a game just to make sure they can score some points. I'm not salty yeah. though. No. Just want to clear that up. Um, but yeah, I expect the Ravens to win. But come on, come on, commies, do something with your worthless yeah. franchise. Yeah, look, I just, that was the preview of the AFC and the NFC South. Thanks very much for listening. If you do have an, if you liked what you heard, if you didn't like what you hear, make sure to leave a review. Uh, Help us get better. Um, but that's all for me. Yeah, we cut 10 minutes off the podcast length from last week. You know, by the time we're doing our red regular season episodes, we'll be down to 20 minutes. Um, yeah. But that's all from me. Thank you and good night. exactly right i mean there's nobody inside the 10 get back here it is the season's on the line two receivers left and right mccown 
takes the snap. He steps up. He's all by himself. Fires into the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! No! No! The Cardinals have knocked the Vikings out of the...